Japan is a country famous for that is famous for um, like trust based、uh, society. We need social capital to actually make a deal, and the relationship really matters for the business. But、uh, especially in Hokkaido, I think it's even more、uh, trust based. So,、uh, but once we trust each other, everything works very smoothly. Welcome to the Executives, the show where we navigate in the intricate world of executive leadership, exploring strategies, insights, and personal stories of successful professionals shaping the global business landscape. I'm your host Majid, and today we have an amazing guest with us, Miho Tanaka. Miho is the founder and CEO of Startup Work Inc., supporting startup founders to enter the Japanese market. Her expertise spans public relations, event management, and community engagement. Significantly contributing to the growth and diversity of the Japanese business landscape. Hello and welcome to the show, Miho. Thank you so much, Majid, for inviting me. Can you kindly introduce yourself more a bit about your professional background to our audience?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. So my background came from startup and also in Japanese we call it venture company. So I have been working. In and working with and working for、uh, startups and also venture company and、uh, new companies, so、um, I started my career、uh, by working for startup companies, and then I also、um, started to support startups、uh, as a startup supporter by working with government. So I worked with several governments, including Tokyo Metropolitan Government and also Hokkaido Government, Sapporo City, Kyoto City, and now I am trying to support uh, uh, more international founders that wants to enter Japanese market and also、uh, Japanese startups that want to go abroad by、uh, initiating the new. Strategies and、uh, new programs for these startup founders. And today, our topic of discussion is bridging borders because that's where your expertise is. Miho's pioneering role in cultivating a global startup ecosystem in Japan. I'm really excited, by the way. I'm really looking forward towards it. So, without further ado, let's jump right into the question. So, what was The thing that initially sparked your interest in supporting startups and entrepreneurs in Japan. Great question. So it started when I joined a、um, program to support international entrepreneurs、uh, through Tokyo Metropolitan Government、uh, support program. And、uh, why? Because、uh, they really needed support, and nobody really knew how to support them. So I at the time I was working in a co- Japanese corporate and I was just working as an employee there, and I was trying to just follow what my bosses and managers said, but of course not many people have ever worked in a startup, and also not many people even spoke English that time, and I knew how to work. And how to work with startups and how to work in the startups. What happens in the company? So I just try to share my experience with them and try to give back what I experienced for the startup founders trying to launch a new companies in Tokyo. And I just found they're facing a lot of challenges, 
and at the time under the program we had over 10 consultants including lawyers and legal advisors all the time like from nine to five every day but especially international founders had so many questions and i was working for marketing and uh, pl and i was also organizing lots of events about how to incorporate a company how to get the visa and i was basically doing a, a interpretation for them and the more i talked with them i found the like most of them couldn't figure out the process by just listening to each of the legal advisors advices because in japan uh, <laughs> lots of uh, horizontal structures legal uh, boundaries and um, like lots of mm-hmm. uh, legal advisors know their uh, specific um, knowledge and they're like, for example, specialized mm-hmm. in tax, for example, or a visa or a company registration. But if these international founders ask questions about when I enter Japan with this visa and if I launch my company from this period of time, how does it affect my visa and how should I pay my tax to Japan? And nobody could answer. I didn't also know the answer. Mm. And I thought it's too ignorant to actually um, suffer them without me actually experiencing, experimenting and also like experiencing all this stuff. So I decided to uh, launch my own company after organizing almost 100 events for them. And after that, I decided to go through all the processes with them, understanding what the challenges they actually face by going through all the processes with them. And now I like still uh, keep supporting this through the founder. So the business community of Japan, is it like English speaking? Like how is it as compared? Like, for example, when I look at Germany, it's still evolving. It's not very English speaking, but most of the people do speak English, but the legal language is German here in Germany. I think it's the same in Japan, right? The legal language of the the, the federal state is Japanese. So can uh, an international founder who just moved to Japan start a business without hesitations and issues or is it going to be a bit challenging for him or her? Uh, it's very challenging and in Germany of course I experienced it but in Japan it's even more challenging especially the like alphabet is completely different from English and if we really need to understand mm. all the legal uh, structures we have to read all the Chinese characters so it's very challenging I think. You have seen founders who came from other countries did not speak Japanese they founded their startups. Mm-hmm. So, so which so. means it's still possible to do that i mean of course of course with the help of advisors and consultants like yourself yeah definitely cool. can you share with us the vision behind the startup visa initiatives in hokkaido and their impact on international entrepreneurs because one language is a barrier but still it does have a positive influence right for bringing in more people from outside so would love to understand about uh, both the things mm-hmm. thank you yeah so uh, start of visa initiative in Hokkaido what was kind of innovative there was we digitalized all the processes and this is the only prefecture that did uh, the digitalization process for startup visa application so I uh, launched several kind of startup visa initiatives and entrepreneurial uh, visa 
initiatives in the capital city, but everybody was struggling to just like、uh, hand over all the documents and like Word documents, Excel sheet. So yeah, the first thing that I that we talked、uh, together with the government、uh, side was we have to really、um, uh, with the 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 first thing that we have to think for the founders is let's. Not waste their time. They have to really commit to build their business. So we thought of a way how we can minimize their、um, uh, like effort just to work on these documentations and procedures, especially administrative、mm-hmm. tra- uh, procedures. So we decided to digitalize it, and the government side was very open. So we also、um, made it everything in English. So these founders coming to Hokkaido, they can only submit all the documents in English online. So it's very, I think, smooth compared to the other prefectures right now, and the impact that we had. So before I joined and we digitalized everything, there are only a few startup visa holders within like three years after they launched a startup visa initiative. But after we made all the efforts. Um, right now, we have about twenty startup visa holders. They just like came within one year, so it's a big change. And nowadays, I think majority of them started a company in Hokkaido, and now they're like officially、uh, became a like representative of each company. So yeah, having actually the physical、nice. uh, office here and starting the business. And actually, being able to actually sign a contract with a Japanese organization—it's a big change. And they can also hire talents, a、uh, local talent. That's also very good for the local economy as well. Because you just mentioned that you saw a big challenge that everything was in、uh, in, in Japanese and everything was manual, and you digitized it. So, what were the challenges that you faced in transitioning from? Manual to digital, or while implementing these startup pro- visa programs, I think the government members made all the efforts. Not me. I only、uh, kind of guide them through. <laughs> Maybe this is better for founders, especially international founders. And I think they had to negotiate a lot within the government, and also convince the I think national government as well. But they are already. Ready to actually make this effort and use your time to actually innovate these procedures all for the international founders coming here. So yeah, it's a big change, and especially because of the COVID, not many people could come, and、uh, the government side they couldn't really、uh, officially internationalize everything. But after that, like twenty twenty one, we. Uh, yeah, actually made all the changes. It's nice because it's it's a big change. Like it's a massive change. Like if you have to go from submitting folders to you know like everything online on a phone. I mean, for me, I love digital. I'm I'm a huge fan of digital because then I know did no don't need to go anywhere else to print to you know, and it's also eco friendly. And then、uh, it doesn't need to be stored in a folder inside a building, or it becomes much more complex with infrastructure as well. But I remember we talked about Hokkaido Innovation Week,、mm-hmm. and I would love to understand more about that.、Uh, firstly, and then what inspired you 
to initiate the idea of hokkaido you you're the head of uh, uh, the event right mm-hmm. exactly yeah so thank you for asking and the yeah why i came up with this idea is i visited several conferences especially in nordic countries in europe for example norway and iceland and i saw a lot of innovation week happening and also i found most of the time startups get investment not just because they pitch in front of a lot of audience but they created a very trust based relationship during the networking session some of the startups that i met there even said they met a <laughs> investors in karaoke party and they decided to invest because maybe they could actually understand the personality of the founders more they could trust more and they mm. liked each other i guess that's why they actually decided to uh, work together and i thought it's very important especially in japan like when we um meet uh like business partners for the like the first time at the business setting then we only exchange business card and uh it's very hard to see or hard to guess what the other people are actually thinking so that's why we always say like we have to go drink to actually let like get to know them better but uh i thought what if we can do this during the innovation week and then like to learn more about how to organize it i visited iceland innovation week and also i visited oslo innovation week and i learned how they are organizing it and also what kind of team they have and it was like truly impressive and i like the community that they are building through all the innovation week so i thought maybe it's amazing if we can do this in hokkaido because um japan is a country famous for that is famous for um like trust based uh, society we need social capital to actually make a deal and the relationship really matters for the business but uh especially in hokkaido i think it's even more uh, trust based so um but once we trust each other everything works very smoothly and also how we mm-hmm. uh create this trust each other in hokkaido is kind of similar to also uh how the nordic countries work based on trust so maybe we can learn a lot from them mm-hmm. and also the population wise our size is similar hokkaido has 5 million population and most of the nordic countries each of the nordic countries have like 5 million or even less uh, population in a country so how we create the ecosystem within this size of the population is very similar so yeah my learning came from most of these uh, leaders that i met in all the countries and even more what's even more exciting for me was um both of the leaders at the innovation week in iceland and oslo they're female leaders and i have never seen female leaders uh, leading the full team and um also like i didn't see this in japan for many times so i thought maybe i can mm-hmm. even learn from them about like how they organize the team and how they 
balance your life and how they actually build the community. Interesting. That's very nice. And uh, congratulations on being the first uh, female on leading the event in in uh, Hokkaido. Um, Thank you. It's it's amazing. I uh, for me, Japan is famous for a lot of things. I mean, good food, uh, uh, good uh, music, uh, and the the scenery of Japan. Like it's, I have seen so many pictures of Japan. And when I was working for a travel operator, Japan was one of the hottest selling destinations. You know, it was like the easiest to sell. But uh, um, it's it's amazing, and their culture and the culture of Japan is so brilliant. If someone asks me, "Hey, we are looking to understand about this, you know, inner peace," and you know, I'm like, "Yeah, study Japanese culture. You will learn a lot because they have they have covered everything already." So, <laughs> so it's it's amazing. Um, and and how big is this event going to be? Hokkaido Innovation Week. Do you have some numbers that you can share with us? Yes. We are hoping to have in total of 1,000 attendees throughout the week. And yeah, so we are looking forward to invite more people. <laughs> and that time, uh, like we are organizing Hokkaido Innovation Week from January 29th to February 2nd. And that is the best season to enjoy powder snow. And one of the reasons why we decided to organize this event during the winter season, although there is a high risk of the climate, <laughs> meaning sometimes like the snow uh, storm is coming, but still uh, we want to actually yeah organize it because um, that's the best season for most of the uh, snow sports players. And we found a lot of world um, like top investors actually coming to Hokkaido at that season. Not many people knows, but we found they're actually there. And most of my VC friends are actually also coming to Hokkaido just to snowboard or skiing. So we we thought we just need to catch them. We just thought uh, we need to catch these investors coming to get the powder snow in Hokkaido. And if we just do the business conference, nobody wants to come because they are coming to Hokkaido to have fun. So we thought we have to have fun during the conference as well. That's why we are, for example, organizing an ice pitching where people can only pitch while they are in the ice cold water. And we will do it in the center of Sapporo City. And also we are uh, holding a, a pitch events in a baseball studio, newly built one. It's still like less than one year old and they have sauna. So we will do the pitch pitching and also all the networking will be in the sauna space. We are also learning this networking session in sauna from the Nordic culture. So yeah, we are really planning to combine all the Nordic cultures into Hokkaido and actually implement their ecosystem building uh, through this innovation week. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I think I, I think I know when to book a flight for Hokkaido. Yes, please. <laughs> I, I should come uh, to the event. Yes, yeah, please. Come. I, I need to. Japan is on on like a very high list for me to visit. I. I really admire Japanese culture. It's and whenever my friends are at my home, they're always like, Majid, you don't understand the songs. Why are you listening to them? I'm like, Yeah, they're just good. I don't know what they say, but I just feel good when I listen to them. Uh, so <laughs> and I, I listen to J pop. 
and K-pop. So <laughs> it's amazing. You just need to come. Yes, like. Could can you share with us uh, a memorable success story for an international entrepreneur? Because I I have a lot of people who are trying to be entrepreneurs or who are already entrepreneurs who benefited from such an a visa initiative or Hokkaido building a community, for example. Would love to hear a story. Mm, thank you. So I think um, one of the success cases that we had uh, through the through the visa program is that. The founder was very young, and he didn't have enough investment or even like capital to invest in. And he, um, he got straight up visa, and it was so honestly saying hard to believe that he would be successful because he didn't have any um experience of launching his own startup, and he looked so, um, like. He wasn't really confident <laughs> at first, but uh, we decided to believe in him because he was so smart and uh, he was actually very strong, very passionate. So yeah, um, he raised uh, investment right before his uh, visa expired, and now he's raising another round of investment, and so many people are actually um, interested in uh, meeting with him nowadays. So that was um, something that we couldn't really achieve without using straight up visa, and something that he couldn't um, acquire without this straight up visa initiative. So yeah, that was one of the interesting part uh, of using straight up visa, especially in relationship with investors. It really needs uh, time to build a, a relationship with investors. So yeah, it helped definitely. And another success case that I see and I, I am seeing right now is one of the food tech company coming to Hokkaido. And usually it takes a lot of time to just sign an agreement uh, with a Japanese corporate. And in Tokyo, I heard most of the time these founders come to Japan, but they need at least six months to sign the first MDA. And usually, while they are waiting for the first contract, their cash run out, and they cannot even stay in Japan, and they have to give up Japanese market. But these founders did an amazing job. Uh, he made a lot of effort, and he customized his pitch every single time when we went to see new customers and it was so tailored and i remember uh, he could sign the first mda even within one month we approached a new company and like within six months seven months after he landed in hokkaido for the first time he got a paying customer and the counterparty, the Japanese corporates, nobody really spoke English. And I was just trying to help them out to like communicate well. And once uh, they, these counterparties in Japan found these startups can actually solve their problem, they are not, not only working for the monetary purpose, but actually trying to um, bring some 
in general social bet for the society, especially for the Hokkaido community, then they decided to really uh, commit to uh, help the startups. So uh, the beauty of this local ecosystem is that it's much easier to start the POC projects because these uh, small companies or medium-sized companies and also even municipalities, government, they are uh, they really need solutions. And uh, if they are just waiting, uh, nobody comes. So when they find a startup that really wants to solve the problem for them, then like they do like help a lot. And this is something that I couldn't really see in Tokyo, although I met so many startups and corporates there. These are stories that also inspire people that no, it's not just you know, it's not just hard, but it's also possible if you want to work hard. I mean, entrepreneurship is not easy. It's you. There is a risk involved. There is, you have to be very dedicated. Like, uh, I have friends who are always asking me, Majid, if I want to find my company, can, can I work eight hours or I want to have a life where I work only four hours a day? I'm like, huh. then maybe look for a part-time job. But uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur, then you are 24, 7, 365 working. You have to jump in anytime if someone is sick or someone leaves the company or something happens, you have to jump back in. So you have to be ready. Uh, so I hats off to, to the two startups you mentioned. It's a, it's a big achievement. Mm. Um, and now let's talk about your particular uh, company, Startup Work Inc. Mm. How has your business uh, supported shaping the startup landscape in Japan. You partly mentioned it here and there, but let's let's talk about the topic. Like, how is your company involved in the in the supporting of this ecosystem? I think my company's role is mainly initiating the first internationalization and globalization for a local community. So, I think I step in when a new area of Japan needs to attract a lot of international founders to actually diversify the community. So I usually build up the startup visa initiative from the ground and also try to build the community to start with. And my main focus is uh, building a community where the first or like the early stage of founders can support each other. So I work very closely with the founders and if they go through all the processes and all the journey as a founder is coming to Japan, then after they go through all the process, they can teach what they went through to the next generation of founders. So I have been supporting this like first round of founders that just landed in Japan and I especially work closely with the founders who are also eager to uh, support the next generation of the founders and I also learned that some of the uh, communities that I saw in Nordic countries and not only Nordic countries but also like anywhere in the world um, they specifically supported these founders who are who are willing to support the next generation if they are just working for themselves for the employees without really thinking about the community some investors even didn't invest 
into them because the investors also thought that's not beneficial for the entire community. So I decided and I tried to follow it and try to especially form a community that everybody can support each other and grow together. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's uh, interesting because for me, <clears throat> I I would love to have, I believe in the role of consultant. I say that you need to have, if you're trying to explore markets that you don't know about, you need to have experts from the field, like uh, have one advisor who's besides you, who's helping you, hey, good decision, bad decision, you know. Uh, because also coming from a cultural background. So I come from Pakistan. Even Pakistan is different than Japan. Pakistan is different than Germany. So it's important for me that I don't say or do anything that's uh, not considered a good thing in, for example, Japan. Because there will there might be things that are okay in Japan and not culturally good in Pakistan. And the same vice versa applies. So something good in Pakistan might not be super appreciated in, for example, Japan. So these are things only someone who is from Japan can actually help me with, right? So I would definitely, if I'm bringing business to Japan or Hokkaido, I would hire someone and say, hey, you know what? Please make sure I don't do something wrong. I don't want to make people, the community angry uh, because I'm here to do business and I want to build a business that's sustainable and scalable for the long run. That's why we are injecting so much money and trying to do so many things, right? Um, which brings me to my next question of guiding entrepreneurs. What is your approach to guiding founders or entrepreneurs, especially in navigating the complexities of visa acquisitions? Or for example, you mentioned about uh, the corporate who, who didn't really speak uh, any English. You, you were there for them. So how do you, what advice do you give, uh, for example, uh, these entrepreneurs or founders? I think knowing the goal that they really want to achieve so of course visa is just a tool and corporates is just a client for example and maybe the company could be just tool for us to just survive or like achieve something that we want to actualize but uh, knowing the goal is very important and after i talked with so many international founders like maybe like over 1000 people i found some of them are not planning to build up the business and do startups. They want to really live in Japan, and that's also fine. But if they didn't know that, uh, or no, if they didn't know that startup visa is just a tool, then it make them their lives even harder. I think. So I try to guide them through in a way that their goal really actualizes. Some of them are honestly saying targeting permanent residency, and it's fine. But then a startup visa will minimize the opportunity to actually get a permanent residency because, as Majid mentioned, uh, entrepreneurial life is difficult. Like If we just like use it as a tool, it doesn't work. People don't follow, so people don't follow. So we really need to know like what we want to achieve within the next like maybe 5-10 years. Yeah. It's weird because I don't really specifically know what I will be doing in the next 10 years. But um, still, like maybe knowing the priority is very important. And this is the same for startups and also corporates. So 
one of the challenges that we often face when we just face corporate partners is we don't really understand their real problem. And of course, without NDA or without even trust, they don't share it with us. It's hard to just share our problem with the others. And once we build up that trust, then like they finally say what's the issue. It's not only about the market. For example, it could be about the team within the internal company. It's about the decision-making process that they have to go through. And after we know all the problems that they are trying to deal with, then like we know different approach. And at least uh, we know the timeline of delivering our work. And as an entrepreneur, knowing the timeline and knowing what actually works and what doesn't work is very important because our time is limited and we have to make sure we can get the next, for example, contract so that we can feed our employees sometimes. So I think, yeah, mm -hmm. just like knowing the true answer is very important, I think. Whenever I was leading teams, I said it's easier said than done. This this sounds very simple, but and that's why consultants are more important. I have seen companies buy companies with no experience of uh, upper management have, knowing how to buy a company they got money lots of funding this they went on a win, uh, like a shopping spree buying startup after startup and those startups failed miserably mm. like i have seen that you know like uh, the startup couldn't uh, the people started hating the corporate they were like uh, we don't want to work for these guys and uh, people were just leaving off leaving after leaving and when you're trying to enter a market or buying a uh, buying a company or doing anything you need to have someone who's experienced you know so having a consultant is a good thing and i have worked with uh, a few people from japan mm. extremely hard working extremely hard working like uh, i remember there was uh, i was working for a, for a customer as a product consultant mm. and uh, he had a, a an architect a software architect who was from japan she was from tokyo i think uh, so she was extremely dedicated and I was like, Hey, you know what? Let's just solve this tomorrow. She was like, no, 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 no. We have to finish this now. I'm like, you have been working for the last 14 hours. You know, we can, we can call it a day and go back to her. like, Majid, you can go back. I will, I will finish it. And the next day I came, she was still there and working. And I was like, I, I cannot compete with you. You know, you're, you're, you're on another level. A very smart, very hardworking, and very dedicated. And she fixed the problem. So at least the people I've seen from Japan, so they're very committed, very dedicated. And uh, also, I, I think it's partly the culture where it's uh, it's very sort of not very open like your like European cultures, where if you don't like something, you you don't say it like, hey, I don't like this, you know. But if you don't like something, you have to be polite with the other person, like. Uh, uh, it's it's very different for example i haven't lived in japan but i have lived in thailand so i i feel it would be a little similar because the culture is also very like very polite very nice you know it's not nice to raise your voice it's not nice to be rude to someone you know i mean it's not nice to be rude to anyone but even if you want to give feedback you need to be very like take care how you give feedback and which brings me to my next topic about impact of event management and you have organized a lot of events you said over a hundred events that's a massive uh, that's a big list so how have uh, like how did you firstly 
manage all these big events, uh, like 100 events is, is a big milestone. So congratulations. And how did you manage to organize these big events? Hmm. Thank you. Um, I think I organized mostly small events to just start with, and sometimes it was big. But um, I think uh, without the attendees, I can we cannot even form, and without the speakers, uh, it's hard to create a good event. So I think uh, it's also about the relationship that we built. So it's not about we bringing big names to the events of course more people might come but we won't be able to form a community so i think through the experience of organizing 100 events i learned of course all these procedural uh, techniques but also how to form a group where everybody can freely express what they want to do and also build the social capital through the events so i think that's yeah connected to what i'm trying to do right now through hokkaido innovation week and when i see a event that the organizers or host and the speakers know each other and trust each other that's very different from uh, the events that the new uh, partner just meet and try to talk the discussion doesn't evolve and it's they're talking about the surface but that's something that we can listen to everywhere so through the Hokkaido Innovation Week as well we are trying to really dig into a specific topic or uh, we try to find a good match of the speakers that can actually um, align with what they try to do how they envision the future so i think yeah the the like the big volume of the event management experiences just like gave me this um know-how of how to actually build up something uh, through the event i think you're working on an international scale right i mean you're helping international founders to come to japan for example so this is already touching global sort of global experiences so you have had personally a lot of experience in uh, for example you have volunteered in kenya uh, and other you have attended events in other places as well uh, how has this particular like international experience influenced your approach to fostering a diverse startup uh, ecosystem because you're you're helping basically international people like, for example, me, if I want to come to Hokkaido, I would probably write you an email. Hey, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, I think all my experiences in uh, different parts of the world help me to communicate well with people, I think. <laughs> and, uh, especially like knowing my cultural competence is very important without talking to a lot of people from different cultural background it's hard to see what kind of ignorance i have sometimes like if i say something that's really common in japan to someone from different cultural background it could be very very rude it could be sometimes racial or like ethnically problematic 
or like maybe like in terms of gender probably as well. So uh, by getting to know so many uh, people from different culture, I think, yeah, that's the main thing that I could uh, learn. I think, especially what I liked about my experiences, I didn't only visit uh, like the, I would say in, in general, like developed countries. As you mentioned, I visited Kenya, I visited Rwanda, and some of these uh, culture and countries that's very different from Japan. So, um, yeah, I think without visiting these countries, I think my vision would have been very uh, narrow. So, yeah, I really appreciate uh, this, all the experiences and also people that I met. Yeah. Through my life, we just passed a pandemic, right? <laughs> we are still not recovered fully. We are still trying to recover from the pandemic. It it has caused uh, a lot of losses, a lot of mm-hmm. jobs, a lot of businesses were hurt, but also it, it creates opportunities, right? So, how has the startup scene in in Japan, or particularly Hokkaido, adapted to the challenges posed by, for example, the COVID nineteen pandemic? Ah, I think um, for Japanese and yeah, Hokkaido ecosystem, it fostered digitalization a lot. So it was good. <laughs> like before, uh, we had to meet in person all the time. We have to visit its offices. and But nowadays, uh, it's so normal uh, to like meet online and deliver the work. So... It definitely helped in that way. And also, I don't know it's because of the COVID or because Hokkaido people are just so genuinely nice. <laughs> but uh, we are always thinking about how we can help the others. Like, especially during the COVID, we really had to... We are so lonely, I think. We couldn't meet the people that we wanted to meet. So we, I think we... Um, now, like caring the others more than ever before, I think, which is amazing thing. Hopefully, we recover from the, the still. I see some countries are really struggling with COVID uh, issues, you know, afterwards. Um, but it's, uh, I mean, it uh, like you said, it sort of accelerated a digital push towards the whole, uh, uh, like using more technology into into our daily jobs because I'm not talking about other countries but I'm talking about Germany which is one of the most developed nations you know like innovation engineering excellence we, we talk about Germany right but they were also like you no know, office 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 you know come to the office yeah. I mean but now it has it changed it's you can companies are offering a mix work from home and come to the office. We don't want you to completely go work from home mm-hmm. and we don't want you to worry that you have to come to the office every day, which is which is a pretty cool approach. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about, like, this is something I, I wanted to especially talk because I have a very good friend. She was like, Majid, when you have someone who's a, a founder, a female, uh, so ask for advice. So as a female leader, what advice would you give someone who's an aspiring women entrepreneur my advice would be finding the right environment for you i think so i just had a session with uh, inspirational female founders 
um, last week, and we all agreed if we are in a wrong environment, then like we cannot um, even shine or say anything that we wanna say. And for example, some most of the like times uh, in Japan, it's still like getting better, but um, there are certain seats that female can actually sit just because we are female. And if these people think these female members are there just because they are female, then uh, our voices are not really big enough. And I think maybe unconsciously, some people might be still thinking. And uh, the right mindset could be the female leaders are sitting there because they're talented. And I found this problem when I was mm. in the corporate. Some of the very inspirational, strong female leaders are on the top. And some members around me said, ah, they're there because they're female. And if they still keep thinking that way, then it will be very hurtful, I think, female uh, members to actually raise voice. So what I really appreciate about the members around me right now in Hokkaido, um, they let, for example, me to lead. Um, there are some of my, I would say, bosses, <laughs> like people with much higher rank than me. They said, you have to lead. Like, I will, I'll be okay with project manager. So this is also the leadership that I learned uh, in Hokkaido and also some countries in Nordics. So people are okay with giving out the seat that they have to the next generation. And because all of the members around me did it for me, I am ready to give this seat to the next mm. generation. And without this experience, maybe I might have been like just like trying to sit in the same seats for a long time. But it doesn't really change anything. We have to always like leave it for somebody else. And this is, I think, very uh, beautiful structure that I saw and beautiful environment that I was uh, given in the new community. One thing you said, it's amazing and it's, it's true. Hire people for uh, if you can trust them with the, the the business. Like if you can say, you know what, I trust your judgment. We all make mistakes. It's I'm not going to say that mistakes come because of gender. I mean, everyone make. I've made many mistakes in my in my past. Um, and the second thing is skill. Skill mm -hmm. is important. I mean, uh, I'm hiring someone because of their skill, mm -hmm. and uh, it's sometimes very surprising to see that. Uh, I mean, people put gender first uh it's 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 also saddening but i i feel it's it needs to change uh, and it needs to become more sort of that let's if you're hiring someone for a head role of course i need this person to be experienced uh, i cannot ask them hey you know what you will learn on the job like you're, it's you just graduated university but i want you to do a big event like uh, uh innovation week in berlin for example i want them to know how they how they how they can do it without me telling them 
Um, I mean, everyone learns every day, but it's important for me to hire based on uh, for an experience role to hire based on skill. So now, because we are also coming towards an end, I would love to understand what kind of trends do you foresee, for example, in the Japanese startup ecosystem in the coming years, because you're working with startups more closely and you would sort of have the insight of what, what are the interesting startups to build in, in, for example, Hokkaido. Maybe a trend, something like what, what's hap- what would you think is going to happen? Like what kind of startups will you have? AI startups or uh, e-commerce or what, what kind of startups do you feel? Trend, yes. I think uh, trend is, of course, the technologies that can solve this uh, shift in population so japan is the country famous for having a lot of elderly people and that's something that we really have to uh, solve so i wouldn't call it it's just a technology side of course uh, some investors say like if you say ai you can just get investment and yes it's a trend but i think it's a hype and these social issues that we really have to solve it's not hype, <laughs> it's kind of trend, not always good, but trend that we really have to uh, get used to and we really need to think of. So all the societal issues actually come from this like uh, issues of how to like manage and keep this elderly population while keeping them healthy. So that leads to a food production system, for example, most of these farmers are so very old uh, if we rely on them and if the young generations like us don't care about it we cannot even feed ourselves and health issues and medical distribution system um, these elderly people they are not in the capital city they are in the local area of Japan and we really need to deliver the medication on time for them then we will probably automate some system. And that is the center of where we have to actually start the innovation. So of course, I feel like these technologies like AI, blockchain, fintech, that's all fancy and amazing. And that's something we also need to deliver. But sometimes I feel like some, I feel like, and I heard, Startups only following the technology, like technological hype, sometimes get a lot of valuations and they raise a lot of investment and suddenly they just like go bankrupt because it's only about the hype. And what I clearly see the difference in Hokkaido is each startup is really uh, thinking of how to solve each societal issue. So if the societal issue is very niche, of course, the startups cannot scale. But if it's becoming a global problem, for example, elderly care, then it's going to scale. And I think that's the next trend that we need to work with, I think. Mm -hmm. I think Japan is not the only country. Germany also has a similar problem. I think your Europe also generally needs to do something more towards elderly care. Um, 
it's it's interesting uh, because normally when you talk with people a lot of times your the answer you get is oh yeah ai something gen ai something technology something saas something i mean yes there is te- there might be technology involved like you mentioned uh, with the example of the medicine delivery for example but uh, there might be something else as well very simple for example because these elderly people also need someone to talk with because if you sit at home and you're alone and you have no one to talk with it becomes a problem then like you start feeling sick without any sickness you know so it's a very simple thing it's regardless of your age i have seen that when i was uh, when i had covid and i was in the hospital i was alone in the room so what i noticed was because i was alone and i was the internet was not so good there i was i started getting depressed you know like uh, like suddenly and then i told the doctor that hey i feel depressed and he said no 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 that's that's not that's not good and i think this is also something a simple really simple problem that can be solved you know but uh, interesting cool no uh, thank you again meho for for your time this has been amazing wonderful discussion and uh, then thank you for sharing your expertise and experiences with us Uh, now would you like to say something as a closing statement for our audience i would just say come to hokkaido innovation week from january 29th <laughs> then you can see all the amazing people there and you see all the um yeah amazing things happening there and in japan <laughs> i i will put the link of the hokkaido innovation week in the description of of the video so if you guys interested you can just click there and uh, uh register yourself for the event so thank you again miho uh, to our listeners thank you so much for tuning in to the executives if you found this episode valuable don't forget to subscribe and share it with your network until next time this is majid signing off